The BRICS foreign ministers met in Cape Town, South Africa for a two-day meeting ahead of the conference in August. BRICS is an economic bloc made up of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Two items on the BRICS agenda include expanding the organization and creating a new world currency. While in Central and South America, interest has been expressed by Mexico, Nicaragua, Venezuela, Argentina, Uruguay to join the bloc. In African continent, Nigeria, Senegal, Morocco, Algeria, and Egypt have expressed interest to join as well. In the Middle East, Turkey, Syria, Iran, the UAE, and Saudi Arabia have expressed interest. Afghanistan and Bangladesh, Thailand, and Indonesia are also expressing their interest in joining the bloc. Well, the Indian Minister of External Affairs stated the following during the meeting. Our gathering must send out a strong message that the world is multipolar, that it is rebalancing, and that old ways cannot address new situations. We are a symbol of change and must act accordingly. BRICS is coming up with a formal document that will serve as a guide to expansion of the economic bloc, as South Africa's foreign minister, Nalidi Pandor, stated. More work will need to be done on this matter. Uh, It is still uh, to be processed. And once uh, we have a document that we believe offers clear uh, guidance, we will then take that to the summit uh, in August. Fifteen foreign ministers were invited to this week's meeting ahead of the August summit, including the five BRICS members and some of those who have shown interest in joining. Both Russia and China are backing the idea as a way to establish a multipolar world and wrestle world economic dominance from the grip of the United States. China's vice foreign minister stated the following. I believe the enlargement of the BRICS will be beneficial to the BRICS countries, beneficial to developing countries, and to increase the representation influence of this mechanism. Until World War I, the British pound was the world currency. During the interwar years, the U.S. dollar rose to rival the British pound. In 1929, the British pound and the U.S. dollar made up 97% of the world's reserve currency, with the U.S. dollar outstripping the British pound. World War II saw the U.S. dollar rise as Britain fell into economic chaos with the debt it garnered during the war. During recent history, the U.S. dollar has been the world's reserve currency and the currency of international trade. About half of the world's oil transactions take place in U.S. dollars. During times of crisis, countries purchase U.S. dollars to lessen the volatility of their own currencies. But buying U.S. dollars, currencies around the world inadvertently funded the U.S. economic hegemony. Now, back in the 1960s, the French Minister of Finance coined the term exorbitant privilege to the U.S. dollar position as a primary currency. In fact, China published a document in 2003 in February entitled U.S. Hegemony and Its Perils. It stated after World War II, the United States led efforts to set up the Bretton Woods system, an international monetary fund and the World Bank, which together with the Marshall Plan formed the international monetary system centered around the U.S. dollar. In addition, the United States has also established institutional hegemony in the international economic and financial sector by manipulating and weighting voting systems, rules, and arrangements of international 
international organization, including approval by 85% majority and its domestic trade laws and regulations. By taking advantage of the dollar status as the major international reserve currency, the United States is basically collecting seniorage from around the world and using its control over international organizations, it coerces other countries into serving America's political and economic strategy." End quote. Well, the Bretton Woods system saw gold be replaced by the U.S. dollar as the standard reserve. Professor Richard Wolff, an economist from the University of Massachusetts, describes how the U.S. dollar's importance grew after World War II when the rest of the world's economies were in a shambles. This is a long interview, but worth listening to in light of Bible prophecy and trying to understand what is going on in the world. So the dollar took on this fantastic global importance. It was, uh, quote, as good as gold, because literally it was. It was as acceptable as a bar of gold would have been, and in the way no other currency could be. It meant that all over the world, people held on to dollars. And that has to be understood for the enormous gift to the United States that entailed. Think of it this way. If we buy something real from another country, French wine or a Japanese made in Japan automobile or a software program produced in Finland or whatever it is, we pay with little green pieces of paper, dollars, that cost absolutely nothing to produce. The whole world shipped goods and services to us for our use, for our consumption, for our use to produce yet more things. And all we had to give them was a piece of paper, a cheap little green piece of paper. Even better, they didn't want to hold on to the dollar in that form because it doesn't earn you anything. So what they did was, here we go now, lend those dollars back to the United States government, getting a treasury security, which pays interest. It's a dollar object. You can convert it into dollars at a moment's notice but it pays interest. So the government is now encouraged our politicians to borrow because the whole world is accumulating dollars. We had that situation for the whole second half of the 20th century and has played an enormous role in the prosperity and growth this country enjoyed. No other country was in that position. The British, by the way, had had that before. The British pound had been in the 19th century what the U.S. dollar became in the 20th. Now, every country understood that, and every country was jealous of the United States because they wanted the benefit of producing little pieces of paper and expending them for real goods and services, only to have the people with the paper lend it back to their own government. This is a hustle that any other country would be, you know, desperate to enjoy. They've all wanted it, but they couldn't do it because no other country was playing the role of the United States. Now, once you understand the history, you'll understand this is not sustainable. The rest of the world isn't going to lie down and not try to replicate, to grow, and to be a competitor of the United States, Western Europe, even united in order to play that kind of role. 
And it began to be that the rest of the world, to a degree, not like the dollar, but to a degree, began using the euro starting in 2000. Even a little bit the Japanese yen, because the Japanese grew dramatically in the second half of the 20th century. But then the world changed. I'm exaggerating, but not by a lot. With the war in Ukraine, what folks have to understand is as horrible as the military battles are in the Ukraine with the destruction uh, of people and property that we see there, that's not the main war going on. The main war going on is economic, and it has to do with the United States doing something extraordinary. Obviously, it can't con directly confront Russia because that's nuclear war or the risk of it. And that, fortunately, people aren't that crazy yet. So how does the United States respond? Well, it made a choice. It's going to hit Russia with sanctions. It is going to use every e economic power it has, including the use of the dollar in the world, to go after the Russians, to deny them access to their own dollar reserves. They have dollars here in the United States backing up the Russian ruble as a currency. The United States seized that. The United States denied Russia the ability to use the dollar payment system in the world. It's called the SWIFT system. It was set up years ago to allow transactions in dollars between people everywhere in the world. It's a major trading mechanism. They were frozen out of that. They were sanctioned. They were really, it was called the mother of all sanctions. It was a colossal policy failure. Why? Because the Russians, it turned out, had a plan for how to get around the sanctions, having been sanctioned by the United States many times in the recent past, they had plenty of experience with dealing with them, and they learned from that experience. So, for example, refusing to buy Russian oil and gas, which was a crippling attack against Russia, designed to collapse their economy because they're dependent on exports of oil and gas, what the Russians were able to do very quickly was simply sell the oil and gas somewhere else, above all to India and to China. The two largest countries on earth are now energizing themselves with Russian oil and gas. That was an escape beyond anything that the West could do anything about. And the Russians have then expanded from there and large parts of the global South are now busily trading with Russia and making up for Russia for what the sanctions did against it. But along the way, every other country has seen an opportunity which I don't think Washington foresaw. This situation allows everybody to stop depending on the dollar. And they have two reasons to do it. One, I've already mentioned, they want for themselves the benefit of having their currency work as a global currency. So they want to eat into the privilege of the U.S. dollar by advancing their own. But there was a second one which should have Americans very concerned. The United States 
dollar was what it was. It isn't anymore, but it was because the United States promised the world we will not abuse the position of the dollar. We will not weaponize it. We will not use it to pursue our particular foreign policy. You don't have to worry if you're a little African country or an Asian country or a Latin American country that the United States, a big, powerful, wealthy country, will use its global dollar position to get rid of one government and bring in another government. It won't abuse the politics of it. When the United States did that, demonized Russia and Putin and threw everything they had at him, they were sending an unmistakable message to everybody else in the world. Friend, foe, and in between. Watch out. The United States can't any longer manage the world the way it once did. And so it is abusing its role as the neutral caretaker for the world's currency by becoming a partisan user of its position. That's another reason, whether you're Indonesia or India or Brazil, to, to reduce your dependence on the dollar before fear at somebody, if not Biden, well, then maybe a Trump or whoever comes next is going to be using this against you. And so the dollar, which was already shrinking because of the things I said before, the shrinkage has accelerated now. So that for the first time since the end of the war, the World War II, less than half of the reserves held by central banks around the world are now in dollars, about 40%. Used to be 70, 80, 90%. It is now, and, and you see it everywhere. One of the biggest steps, the decision by Saudi Arabia a few months ago to stop doing what it had done for the United States, namely, declare that they would not accept payment for their oil. And remember, Saudi Arabia is the world's largest oil producer. They would only accept payment in dollars. That was an enormous boost to the dollar as a, because everybody who buys oil, which is more than half the countries of the world, have to get the dollars and use them to pay. Saudi Arabia changed its position, signed an agreement with China. They are now sending oil to China, accepting payment in Chinese yuan instead of the dollar. And with that, kind of, it's the end. And if I could make one point, Katie, it's really important. This is part of something Americans have not yet wrapped their heads around. The American empire, like every empire before it, is now shrinking. You know, empires rise, they have a flourish, they grow, it's very impressive. And at their peak, they can't imagine that it won't last forever. It never has. Every empire, the Greek, the Roman, the Persian, the Turkish, the, you fill in the blank. They all went up, then they went down. The ride up, much more fun than the ride down. We are now in the ride down. And we better be very careful because denial, which is the way most of America is so far dealing with it, is not a solution. It doesn't go away because you pretend it isn't happening. 
the dollar's decline is a literal barometer week in and week out of what we're seeing. The failure in Ukraine is another one. I mean, you've got to see we didn't win in Vietnam. We didn't win in Afghanistan. We didn't win in Iraq. You can dance around it 20 different ways, but it is the truth. There's not an argument about who's the good guys and the bad guys. I'm just explaining where we are not facing a decline that is underway and that is showing us its face if only we're willing to see it. And we could have a, quote, decent, soft landing. Empires do not have to go out in a horrible explosion. They can decline. Britain, not that they're a model, but after trying twice to stop the United States in the War of Independence and again the War of 1812, the British figured out we can't do this militarily, and they came to terms with their decline and being replaced by the American empire. I don't know what's coming next. I don't know whether the Chinese will be the next empire or whether it'll be handled in a multinational way. And there's some evidence in both directions. But the United States is not able to do what it did. And one of the greatest mistakes empires in the past have made is overreaching when they can't do that anymore. And my fear is we're at a very delicate point in that process, hampered by a denial of what's going on that periodically frightens me. Well, we do know what is coming next because the Bible tells us the collapse of America as a superpower is a foregone conclusion. Russia's rise is a must. It is amazing to witness how the angels have been working behind the scenes to bring about these events. No different from how the angels Gabriel and Michael worked in Daniel's day to bring about the changes in empires, as we read in Daniel chapter 11, verses 13 and 20, where he says, or Gabriel says, the prince of the king of Persia withstood me one and 20 days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained with the kings of Persia. And then in verse 20, he says, Now I will return to the fight with the prince of Persia, and when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia will come. So the struggle to unseat America has been accelerated over the past decades. Back in 2008, Russian President Dmitry Medvedev proposed a super currency to replace the dollar. Russia's President Putin again proposed a common currency last year to replace the U.S. dollar. Russia is particularly interested in this because of the power the U.S. has to freeze Russia's holdings of U.S. dollars. Over the past few years, it has worked feverishly to replace the U.S. dollar with reserves of gold. Now, China's article on Western hegemony went on to assert the hegemony of the U.S. dollar is the main source of instability and uncertainty in the world economy. During the COVID-19 pandemic, the United States abused its global financial hegemony and injected trillions of dollars into the global market, leaving other countries, especially emerging economies, to pay the price. 
In 2022, the Fed ended its ultra-easy monetary policy and turned to an aggressive interest rate hike, causing turmoil in the international financial market and substantial depreciation of other currencies such as the euro, many of which dropped to a 20-year low. As a result, a large number of developing countries were challenged by high inflation, currency depreciation, and capital outflows. This was exactly what Nixon's Secretary of of the Treasury, John Connolly, once remarked with self-satisfaction, yet sharp precision, that the dollar is our currency, but it's your problem, end quote. Well, in 1991, the creation of the euro, a common currency for the European Union, was designed to upend U.S. financial hegemony. It was supported by the Vatican. The U.S. dollar proportion of global reserves has sunk to seven, from 72% in 1999 to 59% in 2023. Bloomberg reported this last week. It stated the U.S. has brought unprecedented financial pain to bear on Vladimir Putin's regime in response to invasion of Ukraine. The Biden administration has imposed sanctions, frozen hundreds of billions of dollars of Moscow's foreign reserves, and in concert with Western allies, all but ousted the country from the global banking system. For much of the world, it has been a stark reminder of their own dependency on the dollar, regardless of what they think of the war. Well, the move to cut Russia from the U.S. dollar-dominated global payment system has forced it and other countries to move away from the U.S. dollar and find alternatives. Just this past week, the volume of Indian purchases of oil from Russia outstripped the combined purchases from Saudi Arabia, Iraq, the United Arab Emirates, and the United States. According to the Economic Times, Russia now makes up 42% of all India's crude oil imports. Russia is looking to fill the gap from European sanctions, and India is happy to snatch up the supply. According to the state-controlled lender Bank of Baroda, the increase is tenfold over last year. Not only this, but the transactions have been made in the Indian rupee instead of the U.S. dollar. Bloomberg reported that Pakistan had placed an order for Russian oil in the Chinese yuan. Bloomberg is also reporting that Brazil and China had struck a deal to settle their transactions in the Chinese yuan as well. Last month, Russia, China agreed to adopt the yuan as the currency for payment between Russia, Asia, Africa and Latin American countries in a bid to replace the dollar. It has become a growing agenda for the BRICS to develop its own currency among members so that it can trade without the U.S. dollar. BRICS has a bank of its own, the New Development Bank, that is looking to create a common currency. Many of the countries who are looking to join are reacting negatively to the sanctions placed by the West on Russia and the impact these nations or these sanctions have placed on these nations and their developing economies. South Africa's foreign minister, Nalidi Pandor, also stated. We had one of the senior executives of the New Development Bank briefing our meeting on work that the bank has been doing, looking at uh, the potential use of alternative uh, currencies to the current uh, internationally traded currencies, and looking at how we strengthen uh, the arm of the uh, BRICS Development Bank and also ensure that we do not become victim uh, to sanctions that have secondary effects 
on countries that have no involvement in issues that have led to those uh, unilateral sanctions. Bloomberg also reported this past month Brazilian President D'Souza lashed out at the dollar's dominance while visiting Shanghai in April. Standing at the podium, surrounded by the flags of uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa, the so-called BRICS nations, he called on the world's largest development economies to come up with an alternative to replace the greenback as the foreign trade in foreign trade, asking who decided that the dollar was the trade currency after the end of global parity. He was harkening back to the early 1970s when the post-World War II accord, known as the Bretton Woods, uh, that had made the dollar the center of global finance, was unraveling. The agreement's collapse did little to blunt the dollar's preeminent position. To this day, it serves as the world's dominant reserve currency, which has juiced demand for U.S. bonds and allowed the country to run massive trade and budget deficits. Secretary Janet Allen made a mid-April acknowledgement there is a risk when we use financial sanctions that are linked to the role of the dollar that over time it would undermine the hegemony of the U.S. dollar. Without a doubt, de-dollarization is accelerating and will continue for years to come says Vishnu Varathan, head of the economics and strategy at the Mizuho Bank uh, in Singapore. The U.S. made a calculated decision to use the dollar to inflict pain, and there's likely to be a long-term consequence, end quote. While Russia's use of the dollar as a weapon against Russia has had collateral damage throughout the world, and the world is reacting Concrete steps are being taken by nations to unshackle themselves from America's influence. Retired U.S. General Douglas McGregor summarized the issue in an interview this past week when he stated of Russia. Well, their economy is booming. Uh, They're doing uh, land office business. Uh, Their exports, particularly of minerals and petroleum products, is at an all-time high. Uh, There is a meeting that will occur later this month in St. Petersburg involving 84 countries. And all of these countries are interested in what Russia and China are billing as gold-backed currency. All of these countries want to get out from under the U.S.-dominated financial system in the West. And the only way to do that is to go to, first and foremost, gold-backed currency trading. Uh, Russians... The Chinese, the Indians, uh, obviously the Saudis and many of the Emirates have stockpiled an enormous quantity of gold. So they're ready to move in this direction. This would cut us out of the loop and essentially remove the burden of dealing with us through our system. This also means that they stop trading in dollars, which means we can't pass on our debt to them anymore, which is effectively what happens when they do business with us in dollars. Those 84 countries plus uh, Russia, India, China, uh, I think they have a very good chance of bringing this off. Uh, So that's the first thing. The point is that economically, we have not hurt Russia at all. Russia has boomed. Should the U.S. lose its place as the world's dominant reserve currency, the demand for U.S. bonds will plummet, and America will lose and no longer be able to run up the massive budget deficits it has in years gone by. It is these deficits that have allowed it to fund the war in Ukraine and finance its massive military. 
The news this week is very interesting considering Bible prophecy's clear outline of the latter days. The Western-dominated world that arose after the collapse of the Soviet Union is not the picture that we see at the time of the end. The prophet Daniel clearly outlines a north-south orientation, not a unipolar world. We read in Daniel 11.40, at the time of the end, shall the king of the south put at him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots and horsemen and many ships, and he shall enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over. This north-south hostility will eventually see the invasion of the land of Israel as the passage continues. He shall continue, or he shall enter in also to the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown. But these shall escape out of his hand, even Edom and Moab and the chief of the children of Ammon. He shall stretch forth his hands upon the countries. The land of Egypt shall not escape, but he shall have power over the treasures of Egypt and of, of of gold and silver, and over the precious things of Egypt, and the Libyans and the Ethiopians shall be at his steps, verses 41 to 43. Well, the prophet Ezekiel defines the two groups of influences. The southern confederacy is made up of the Tarshish powers along with some of the Arab states. In chapter 38, verse 13, we read of Sheba and Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, and all the young lions thereof. These are the United Kingdom and its young lions, America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the Commonwealth, along with many of the Arab states who comprise the geographical areas of Sheba and Dedan, such as Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, and the Sunni Gulf states. The core group of the king of the north is also described in verses 2 and 3. We have Gog of the land of Magog, the geographical area covering Ukraine across to Germany, the Prince of Russia, Russia, Meshach, the Muscovites, and Tubal, the Tobolsk, Siberia region. Now, fighting under the banner of Russia are a host of nations described in the 5th and 6th verses. We read of Iran, which is Persia, Ethiopia and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all his bands, these are the tribes who migrated from across Europe and landed in France and Germany, and the house of Tagarmer of the North Quarters, the Caucasus region, and all his bands and many people with him. For this confederacy to be assembled, the USA must lose its dominance on the world stage, making way for Russia to gather a group of nations under its banner. This will be accomplished by both military and economic means, the same way the US achieved dominance since the Second World War. The timing of the invasion is given by the prophet Joel. In chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, he says, For behold, in those days and in that time, when I will bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, will plead with them there for my people, for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered amongst the nations and parted my land. The area of Judah and Jerusalem was restored to Israel during the 1967 Six-Day War. Therefore, we know we are in the time of the end, as all the necessary pieces are falling into place. We are in the time of Russia's rise. This will have dramatic and drastic consequences for the economies of the Western world. We may experience hardships unseen since the Second World War. It is imperative that we put our trust in our God, imperative that we get our priorities right, imperative that we do not get caught up in the economic chaos that will soon engulf the world. As our Lord exhorted in Matthew 6.31, 
Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. May our Lord's return be soon and save us out of the turmoil that is coming and usher in a righteous age and new heavens and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. For the Bible in the news, this has been Jonathan Bowen joining you. <laughs>